Welcome back to Dante's Divine Comedy with thoughts and reflections on Dante's life, work and the historical context of the Divine Comedy. My name is Richard and I will be your host today and hope you're having a great day. And today we're going to talk about uh, the second essay surrounding this time of, of um, the conclave in 1314 and the election of the second pope and the Epistle 11 from Dante. So we're just going to read it first and then we're going to have some... Uh, some thoughts and also some reaction or uh, other context from other Italian scholars as well. So the title is Dante's Plea to Return the Papacy to Rome. As we saw in an earlier post about Dante Alighieri's letter to the Italian cardinals in 1314, where he defended himself against the charge that he was metaphorically touching the Holy Ark with his criticism of the church, the main thrust of his Epistle 11 is, however, directed more towards high-level politics and an effort to encourage the Italian cardinals to elect an Italian pope and start the process of returning the papacy back to its original place to remove it from Avignon in France and back to its home place in Rome. Dante is calling Rome widowed and abandoned and makes the charge that, quote, it is precisely you who are the primary leaders of the church, neglecting to hold up the chariot of the church, not unlike the false charioteer Phaethon, have gone astray. And you, who should have shed light on the trusting flock through the pastures of this pilgrimage, have led it along with you to the precipice. Dante is here comparing the church with Phaethon, who loses control over Apollo's chariot, thus burning down the world. The letter was written in 1314, right after the death of Pope Clement V, who presided over the moving of the papacy from Rome to Avignon in 1309, and about a year after the death of the Holy Roman Emperor Henry VII, who invaded Italy in 1310, and was a shining light and a hope for Dante that his Tuscany would one day be liberated from what he saw as the interference and occupation by the Papal States. In the Epistle 11, Dante also accuses the Cardinals of being, quote, you who were then the cause of an extraordinary eclipse of what is called the Sun, end quote, where the Sun is a common metaphor for the Church in Rome, while the Emperor was the Moon an imagery which Dante himself had redefined in Purgatory and the Monarchia as Rome having two sons. The letter closes with an appeal. Quote, for the bride of Christ, the church, for the sea of the bride which is Rome, for our Italy, and to say the least, for the whole of mankind wandering on earth, you will fight virulently, so that, offering yourself with glory, you may hear glory in the highest, and so that the obnoxiousness of the Gascons, who, burning with such ruthless lust, attempt to usurp the glory of the Latins, may be an example to posterity for all future centuries. End quote. So these are the main parts of his uh, letter, the Epistle 11, that he sent to the Italian cardinals. Again, then, right after the death of Pope Clement V and Henry VII, and it's his wish to make the, the, the cardinals, the Italian cardinals, 
elect the Italian Pope. And there were only seven Italian cardinals present. There were uh, in total 23 present at this conclave. It lasted for over two years. So you had six French cardinals, you have 10 Gascoigne cardinals, and then eight Italian, but one was uh, not present there. So in total, 23. And uh, it's also interesting because Pope Clement V, once he moves the papacy, and it ends then finally in, it moves around in France a little bit, and then it ends up in Avignon. And then immediately he appoints nine extra cardinals, so-called cardinal nephews, which is his relatives, uh, so he could kind of tilt and, and have control over the majority of the cardinals and then also the conclave. And the whole conclave is a huge mess. This is the first conclave in Avignon. And at some point, the Gascoins then also break in and start uh, violently attacking the Italian cardinals. They have to flee, and then the whole election is suspended. And then they get back, and eventually you get the election of uh, Pope Jacques Duzet, who is then called uh, John the 22nd, or Giovanni 22nd. So this is a kind of dramatic uh, first conclave and election of Pope when it has then moved to France. So now, two Italian scholars, uh, we're going to quote from them. From uh, One is from the book I Papi, which is written by Claudio Verendina from 1996. So he says, Dante sent them a touching and impassioned appeal, urging them to work for the bride of Christ, the church for Rome and Italy. It was the message of the last seer in a Christian world enveloped in darkness. And the conclave proceeded in an environment of intrigue, corruption and violence, in which there was no place for such a message. So, uh, and the other one is that uh, a new book from this year, written by Podesta, Gianluca Podesta, is called Dante in Conclave, uh, La Lettera ai Cardinali, like the letter to the cardinals. So he points out how this epistle is something new. So he says, A disenchanted connoisseur of conflicts of power and dynamics of corruption, Dante embodies a new figure of intellectual a layman who claims the word in the church by virtue of his faith and knowledge of the facts. Here the poet and scholar presents himself as a prophet, proud to proclaim alone and from below what everyone knows, but no one has the courage to say. And further, the text is neither a literary exercise nor an open letter, but a dramatic call not to resign oneself and to act as soon as possible. Received and read by the Italian cardinals, the letter offered Napoleone Orsini an outline for his request for help, addressed shortly afterwards to Filippo Il Bello, a last vain attempt to overturn the outcome of a trial that was by now unequal. End quote. So those are two two different perspectives on on this the historical event and also Dante's role in this by writing this. It's important to note that this is not an open letter or just something that Dante wrote to just spread out there. It's very directed to the cardinals and they read it and it was also a, to, to some degree a part of this process, but a process that was already uh, kind of predetermined by just uh, the power balances with the, the amount of cardinals that were French, uh, let's say, friendly or... or uh, directly supporting the French, or they were French, so they wanted to keep the papacy in France. So uh, that's all we wanted to say in this one. It's just interesting to sometimes uh, have two different views of Dante. One is to have like look into the Divine Comedy 
as a world of its own, this immense, incredible world of, of wisdom and beauty and philosophy and theology and uh, like a, a path and a process of learning and apprehending new things and growing for yourself. And then on the other hand, also seeing Dante as a real person, a historical person, and the times that he lived in and how he is reacting and communicating with his own time and also his effect on, on, the, on his contemporary times. And it could also be helpful to remember that uh, Dante's exile is, is perhaps, so is at least not only the, uh, the problem of, of being away from home and being homesick to his beloved Florence. In his view, what is happening is that the papacy is overreaching tremendously and they are occupying Tuscany and taking control and he's fighting against this to liberate his, his home city. And this might also be why when he was even offered like in, um, the possibility to go back to Florence, uh, there was under terms that he couldn't accept, so he rejected this and he stayed away from Florence for the rest of his life, for like the last 20 years of his life. So it's a kind of a constant uh, state of, of, uh, of conflict in Italy and in Europe with the Holy Roman Emperor, also the French king and also then the papacy. So um, it's a very complicated and very rich and full <laughs> period of history to, tr to try to understand better and get an overview and understanding the context. So hope some of this was a little bit helpful and maybe a little opener to this, this era. It's very interesting around 1300. There are big shifts happening. So uh, we're going to make some more episodes and write some more essays about this as well. So with that, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're having a great day still and we'll see you again in another episode.